Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. My name is Adam Rogers, and alongside me is co-host Steve Mez. The Team Blaney Podcast is brought to you by fans for fans. Steve and I have been diehard followers of the Blaney Racing family for about two decades. Today, we closely follow third-generation driver Ryan Blaney, who pilots the number 12 Ford Mustang for Team Penske on the NASCAR Cup Series circuit. Each week on the podcast, we will review Ryan's latest NASCAR race and then preview the race for the upcoming weekend, offering news, notes, statistics, and analysis. Steve, welcome back to the podcast. Fresh off your trip to Cheese Country, Wisconsin, for the Jockey Made in America 250 at a new track for the NASCAR Cup Series up there in Elkhart Lake. How was your trip? We'll get into that a little bit more. And how was the race? You know, um, actually, the racing action was pretty good, to tell you the truth. I mean, uh, not not a great results for for our driver, but uh, overall, there was a lot of passing and a lot of movement and a lot of strategy. And uh, the place uh, is a very very interesting track to go see. Um, unfortunately, we didn't spend enough time like touring the whole facility, but it is a four mile long track. So it is kind of hard to get to every nook and cranny of it. But um, the parts that we saw were uh, were pretty cool, and uh, the atmosphere was incredible. Yeah, so as I was saying, first trip for the Cup Series up there to Wisconsin to Road America. It was 4th of July weekend. The race took place on the 4th of July. So a really exciting weekend for everyone in NASCAR. I know they said upwards of 100,000 people took in the races throughout that weekend. So hey, why don't we go ahead and jump right into our race recap of Ryan Blaney's run in the Jockey Made in America 250. Ryan Blaney Race Recap Road America yeah, let's start off with uh, Saturday because they did qualifying, or I'm sorry, they did a practice on Saturday first. Uh, Ryan ran 10 laps, and basically at the last lap he ran at the end of practice, he did a qualifying lap and did the fourth fastest time of the whole session. Now, the only problem with that is you don't know how many guys ran qualifying laps. And um, we got there Sunday morning to watch qualifying, and they do that first session where everybody can go out during that first session. And uh, it ended up being the 17th quickest, and it just did not sound, um, as compared to other cars, like they want to even try and do a second lap. Um, they could change the tires after qualifying was over and put a new set on for the race, but the tires they take off, they still wouldn't might need them down the line. So instead of trying to run a second lap, and if you made the top top 12, then running a third lap on those tires, they just, you know, they hung out at 17th, and, and that was that was good enough for them. You might bring this up later, but that actually answers a question um, following along during the race with some of the radio communications. And Ryan actually brought that up to Todd at one point that said, hey, we have an extra set of tires compared to most people, right? And Todd's radio and yes. And I, I'm like, oh, I'm sure that was some sort of a strategy move. But yeah, thanks. Actually, you cleared that up, how they actually had that extra fresh set, not like a, a scuffed set. So interesting. We get done with um, qualifying and uh the way the facility was you could pretty much sit anywhere there were bleachers everywhere um and then you bring in lawn chairs and so on and so forth place was packed though so you did want to kind of establish an area when when you could uh and we went out the parking lot to kind of cool off uh it was hot it was 90 degrees um the humidity is not that that bad there but it was pretty warm so we come back in for the race and we go ahead and set up uh, we set up on uh the hillside that's going out of turn five up toward turn six the bridge that says corvette across it if you saw it on tv um 
once the race gets started, I didn't really do a lot of listening to Scanner. I did more of uh, the radio broadcast because uh, from where we're at, it's better just to hear all the actions going on on the track. Um, and uh, the, the start of the race, um, you know, from where we're sitting, you know, it happens like over a hill. <laughs> the place is really hilly. And there's up and down elevation changes, and it's up over a hill, over on another side, you know, some tree line where you just can't see it. You can hear it from where you're at, where we're at, though. And they rumble around through one, two, three, four, and come down, flying down this hill to turn five, and that's where we're at. And a lot of the passing actually happened down in that area under braking. Uh, it was a 90 degree turn, and it heads straight up this hill going toward turn six. So um, early on after restarts, they're bunched up pretty good. And they, even though they've went through four turns to get there, they're still bunched up pretty good. And uh, we do get a lot of action after the restarts down those areas. Um, uh, a couple cars went to backup cars. I guess Kyle Bush had to, had to go to a backup car from his issues. And, uh, you know, he ends up in the rear, but this doesn't seem to affect him later on. William Byron does win the pole, and he leads the field to the green. And Larson's... Uh, you know, outside driver left, um, and a couple names as the race early on, you see guys like Almendinger uh, up up near the front, and uh, we do get uh, Austin Cindric up near the front there too. So, um, but by the end of the stage, uh, Byron does win stage one, and like I said, there isn't a lot to report here on Ryan. Uh, he's uh, ends up finishing seventeenth uh, in stage one. From what I gather on some radio reports, there's there's braking issues. And he's getting beat under braking, like in the turn five, a couple different times we saw somebody was able to get under him, break under him and get, get going up the hill quicker than, than, uh, than he could. And that's the thing about running too wide into, into that uh, turn is you want to kind of be on that outside because you can kind of fishtail a little bit coming out of five and then hit it going up the hill. Yeah, one thing just kind of noticed, I mean, throughout the runs of this race, and I don't even want to say he necessarily had short run speed or anything, it was just... He, the restarts would happen. He wouldn't really gain any positions. He would kind of hold his own for a little while and then sort of just fade toward the end of the run. So it kind of just went over and over. I know they they probably worked on the car throughout the race, but as you said, and you'll talk about later on, the brakes were, were kind of the main factor for Ryan throughout this entire run. The caution after the end of the stage, um, not all the cars pit under the green or under that. Uh, so, so a couple of them pitted beforehand. And once again, we start to get in this varying strategy kind of thing where some of these guys are on different stops, different strategies. The restart, um, Truex leads on the inside, Cindric on the outside. And by the time they got to us, I think uh, Cindric had actually taken the lead <laughs> coming. Uh, he, and DiBedetto then passes him. And, uh, you know, the first couple laps of that uh, second stage were pretty interesting. I've seen a couple of guys like that up there. Denny goes off the track on lap 20. Like I said, lap 24, Cindric outbreaks Dibodeno into turn four, takes the lead. Kyle Busch uh, comes to up to second. Cindric blows the entrance into turn seven, <laughs> loses the lead to Kyle Busch. And Cindric is then slow with some sort of pros- uh, possible gear problem. So all that stuff happened basically on the same lap. We get, uh, yeah, Cindric going to the garage like a lap later. That was just yeah. a really, like you're saying, it was kind of an exciting part of the race. Um, one, you're seeing some guys lead that don't normally lead. Um, Cindric is was a very proven road racer before he got into the ranks of NASCAR, and people used to see him just as a road course ringer, though now he's winning regularly on ovals in the Xfinity Series. So he has that talent to do it. 
um, probably was a little bit aggressive too. You're talking about him missing some turns, but then eventually a mechanical failure kind of ends his day. I don't know if it had anything to do with the way he was driving or anything. You also saw Matt DiBenedetto come up there, lead some laps again. TV coverage was talking about how him just doing that was so important to just show that he's capable of that and the importance of road courses going forward in NASCAR that, you know, if he can run up there, it makes him a little bit more uh, worthy of a, of a ride because things are still up in the air whether he'll he'll be back in that car next year or a different car with team penske or a totally different team so but yeah that whole that whole stage a whole part of that stage got pretty pretty exciting and it was fun to watch um lap 27 uh, is just two laps before the end of the stage and of course a bunch of guys come in and pit including ryan uh, chase elliott hamlin bowman um so once again they're on this strategy with these guys um cal bush pits from the lead <laughs> And Martin Truex also chooses to pit before the pit lane closes. Um, Truex penalized for speeding on the entrance of that. Uh, Tyler Reddick ends up winning the stage two there. Shocker on Truex being penalized. <laughs> hes I mean, it's one of those things, though. I mean, he's a champion, and he pushes the limits, just like Denny Hamlin, at all times. And sometimes it, it can cost you, but sometimes it wins them some races. So, uh, the, like I said, Tyler Reddick wins uh, stage two. And um, there's a restart with Cowbush leading the inside. And uh, Chase Elliott's uh, on the outside. Uh, DiBedetto is under Chase Elliott in turn one, takes second place. He outbreaks Kyle Busch in turn 12, takes the lead. Uh, but, you know, Chase Elliott's coming basically this point, passes Kyle Busch. He drives inside DiBedetto by lap 38, takes the lead. Now we're getting up to lap 43. Um, Anthony Alfredo goes off the track after losing the left rear tire. Now, Ryan was already on pit road at this point. They basically had called him in to get inside the pit window. They knew they could get from there to the end of the race on gas. Um, what's great about the situation is uh, the pit, uh, they call the, the caution and uh, Todd hurries up and gets the guys out there to fix the damage. Now the damage we never saw on TV, the damage did not happen where I was sitting, but he did hit into somebody from behind, hit somebody in behind and it scrunched the front nose of the car pretty good. And uh, they had to jump up on the hood, basically. Guys, you saw the TV coverage of that where they went to fix it. You know, guys were jumping on the hood to put the bear bond on the hood. And I actually got a couple pictures on the internet of it. What was, bear, so, what was so, uh, so unfortunate about this part was that this was actually a run where he was gaining positions prior to this. And I'm like, all right, they've, they've made some adjustments. Things are turning around. He's gaining at least a couple of spots here. And then, like you said, they didn't catch any of it on TV. And then he just plummets like four or five spots. And I thought, I'm like, oh, maybe he went off track. And then they, the TV catches up and they just see that hood bent up into the air, uh, kind of like a big scoop. So, but again, I thought they hit the jackpot with this caution. Um, probably seemed like amazing strategy. Probably more coincidence, but hey, it worked out into their favor. Like you were just saying, uh, the strategy in this that they did uh, do really well with was making sure they took the time to, to repair the damage. And then, hey, he's sitting out front for this next restart. Yeah, Amarola actually takes the lead uh, on because they pitted at the same time there, and they didn't have to any damage to, to fix on their car. Um, but they were the only two, so them two. And then basically as the caution happens, they catch the field. The rest of the field comes in and pits, and Eric and uh, Ryan start on the front row uh, on lap 46. Um, now, 
basically in the next couple of laps though people start passing ryan and it's unfortunate but i think that the damage that was done even though they fixed it i think there was just too much damage to the car plus uh on the radio a couple different things i, I was able to, to gather um he was just having too many problems with the brakes once again and, and getting basically every time we saw him coming down the hill into five somebody would get inside of him and just could outbreak him coming into five and by the time he was going up six, there was a car or two passing him almost every lap at that point. Um, so, you know, they get to, they, they get to the finish uh, and finish 20th. Um, you know, they drop from that second position to 20th in that last green flag run. But, you know, like I said, they, I think there was a lot of duress and there was a lot of issues with the, with the handling of the vehicle and uh, other guys weren't having that problem. And uh, Chase Elliott obviously does what Chase Elliott does on a road course. He goes ahead and passes some guys there in that last stage and and gets up there and uh, and wins the race. Yeah, I think we've said this a couple weeks ago. Luckily, we had that Pocono weekend with those two straight races where the 12 team had a really great run. Luckily got a lot of points there. Not really anything good to say about this race. It looked like they all like I was saying almost had things turned around in the right direction and then that damage kind of occurs. So, um yeah, can't sugarcoat it. Tough week. Uh, not really, not really anything positive to say. Um, the only thing that I'm hoping is that you guys. Um, I know you checked off another track on your NASCAR bucket list, maybe, and a brand new track for the Cup Series. Mm-hmm. You said such a massive facility. You didn't really get a chance to explore everything, but can you just talk a little bit about the atmosphere and um, whether or not it's somewhere you you might not you know turn around right next year and go back again, but something you might consider going back to again in the future? Yeah, we're gonna. I mean, I'm gonna sound a little bit. Um, I don't know how to put this. <laughs> Get your words together. I know. Yeah. I probably know what you mean. Well, I, like we go to races, or you go to a ball game, or you go to uh, any kind of event. Um, any more since 9/11, really? They wand you down. They check this. They check that. They check the bags. You know, now they've got to a point where you need to have a clear bag and so on and so forth. When we pulled into the place, I had a I had a pass for parking. I pull up to the parking thing. Now my wife is looking for the parking thing. She's got it in her hand. The kid's got a scanner. He just looks at us and he goes, "Go ahead, go ahead." He didn't check our parking pass. Okay. All right. So he must have saw that she had in her hand or whatever. So we go ahead and park. And as we get to park there, I've got a cooler in the car. I've got chairs in the car. I've got some things just in case, you know, we can have them and use them. Um, but I asked the one parking attendant there, I says, are we allowed to take a cooler in? Because I've read everything I could and it never did say you couldn't take anything in. It just said something about not having drinks near concession stand areas. And I wasn't sure what that meant. So I asked him real nice. I says, Hey, are we allowed to bring a cooler in? And he goes, you're in already. He says, you can bring whatever you want over there. And I looked at him. I says, what do you mean? We're in already. He goes, you're in, you're in, you're in, there's no gate. Once you're in the parking lot, you're on the facility. We didn't even need to carry our tickets with us. Nobody scanned our tickets, which I'm fine with. But if I'd have known that, I would have just drove in. I would have <laughs> had a good time. <laughs> a good time. I can't believe I was able to get away with that. No, you don't want to do that. You're too. No. You're too of an upstanding gentleman to yeah. do something like that. Well, you know, we bring we bring lanyards to put our tickets in, and we've got them with us, and we had them on us, and we're 
like we're looking like geeks because nobody else in the place had had you know and mind you most of the people there know what they're doing and they've been there before now once again if i would have known um you know what i know now would have known then uh, we would have bought a wagon to put everything in to cart in with us and i have a 10 by 10 pop-up tent i would have brought that blankets we, we did carry the lawn chairs in with us, which was great because we did end up using them and setting up and using them. But we'd have had all that stuff brought in a big cooler in a, in a, and just wheeled it in. And if you saw on TV, especially down there in turn five, there were tents everywhere. And these people, I thought you had to rent the area out or do anything. No, they just got there early. Put them up. And put them up. And if I'd have known that um, and knew I could have do that, could have done that, um, you know, but the, like I said, I don't sound very smart here because I'm sure the people there knew to do that. Obviously, there were thousands of them that did it. Um, but having never really been to that type of road course before, you know, I've been to Mid Ohio. Mid Ohio's not really set up anything like that. Um, that place was big, it was sprawling, and it had lots of areas to go ahead and set up and do that. And um, it was pretty cool to see that atmosphere. Um, we were basically behind that area they showed on TV with all the people sitting underneath the trees. Um, we were just like behind them right there up on the hill. So we did get a little bit of sun up there, but, um, like I said, uh, you know, you just pick a spot and then hopefully you see some action while you're there. You can't really, you know, it's four miles. So you really would have had to walk all over the place to see everything. And we didn't have a lot of time to do that, um, between qualifying and, 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 and the race itself. But, um, it was a lot of fun and it was, uh, there was a lot of interesting things going on around the track. So, uh, I mean, the people were good and friendly, you know, um, the workers there were great. Uh, we did get, we made, did make it down to the uh, merchandise trailers. Mm-hmm. We got some, got some new merchandise. Uh, <laughs> oh, I forgot my hat. Uh, uh. Uh. <laughs> no, I think what I would say is maybe this was just more of a reconnaissance reconnaissance mission mission you uh you went out there you experienced it i mean that same thing for me like i i i mean my first three or four nascar races i actually covered as a member of the media so i kind of got to see a little bit but not until uh i retired from doing that <laughs> essentially and actually started to go as a fan did i really learn i think that first time maybe we brought a cooler a little bit but then i really saw you know oh wow beer actually you know at daytona or something was costing like nine ten twelve dollars maybe if i do want to have a beer or two i probably should bring it and realizing you can actually bring lots of stuff to a lot of nascar tracks except for maybe nashville super speedway i think we don't want to talk about uh, some of the, the issues that fans had there uh, with coolers and various other things so yeah i would i would just think you go there you gain all that information maybe you don't turn around and go right back next year but you do know like you're saying the wagon all that stuff i mean i always kind of assumed it was more of just like a party festival atmosphere saw I, when i would watch the xfinity races saw a lot of people riding around on bikes um, i'm sure a lot of those people are camping though so they can kind of bring that kind of stuff with them so i think that's probably if you're going to try to make it around but then again you guys still got to be pretty good on that bike to be able to get up and down some of those hills mm-hmm. i would assume though but yeah so steve checklist for the next time they they go up there to cheese country is a is a nice wagon a nice tent um nice cooler and and some various other things scouting out the the positions early um i know you guys didn't go to the xfinity race this time but would that be something you would consider on like a longer weekend like this to try to um maybe stake your claim a little bit earlier i don't know if they could keep stuff overnight or not but 
Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you could be there overnight or not. Uh, if you could, that'd be great because that's yeah, we just pop pop a tent up down there. <laughs> <laughs> you know, <laughs> maybe <laughs> because it seemed like um, uh, the the qualifying was. I want to say 10:30 their time uh, a.m. and people were setting up at that point, and the race wasn't till like 1:30 or you know 1:30 their time. So, you know, three four hours before the race, they were already setting up their their tents and so forth. So, but once again, once you've got that set up, and you if you have all that other stuff with you, you're sitting in the shade. You've got you bring your cooler with you. You've got your lawn chairs. You know, you maybe set up a blanket so the the bugs aren't getting to you. I mean. Yeah, yeah, you got it made. So those people did a great job of doing that. I just wish I would have really known I could get away. You know, I didn't know that there. It was just open to do, and I thought maybe you had to rent that kind of area out. You know, like you would uh, a campground. You know. Well, the good news is it kind of sounds like this is going to might be the new. I know this is the third time around where they're trying to figure something out, but might, maybe this Road America deal is the new Ju- July 4th tradition for NASCAR. It seemed like it went over really well. I mentioned earlier that they had, you know, I don't know if it was on Sunday, they said at least over the weekend upwards of 100,000 people attended this race, which compared to Indianapolis, and then I can tell you from my own uh, going to several Coke Zero 400s at Daytona, the Daytona 500 sells out. The Coke Zero 400 does not sell out. That's usually the one we, my wife and I say, you know, we got some elbow room for the, we used to say the July race, but the, the summer race, we got some elbow room at, at Daytona 500. You're kind of squeezed in. So if they can get that amount of people to come back again up to Road America next year, I think it's a slam dunk to go back there and do it again. And like you said, maybe next year, maybe a couple of years, you have that knowledge now of what, what what's capable of and how you can kind of enjoy yourself and head back up there, make the drive back up to Wisconsin. Yeah. Yeah, it's another, uh, uh, like I said, we're putting little push pins in a, in a corkboard map of the United States. So it's a, it's another track we visited. Um, we still have a bunch more within, you know, four to five hours of us, really, that we, we still have to get to. But, uh, yeah, it was it was an interesting trip. It was a good trip. We had fun. Um, we drove around uh, Chicago uh, at the right times. <laughs> So we didn't hit the traffic there. And once you get into Wisconsin out of Chicago, it is flat, just <laughs> flat, 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 until you get to Road America. You get in there, and all of a sudden it's hilly, and it's like, where did this come from? It had been flat for 70 miles, 80 miles driving up here, and now all of a sudden it's, it's hilly. Because it's kind of like between uh, uh, Milwaukee and Green Bay um, in the middle of nowhere. Um, you just drive up around and all of a sudden around the bend, there it is. Uh, but, uh, we did, like I said, we did get a chance to post a couple pictures and, uh, team, the team Blaney, uh, areas were able to show those pictures, which was great. Um, and, uh, I tell you the, what, I mentioned the team Blaney Instagram, not that we have thousands of followers. I mentioned that on the podcast last week and got like 30 more people to follow. So, Hey, that's, that's um, great. yeah. And I mean, for the most part, we're just going to be, you know, posting stuff when we go to races, we get, we get out to a few a year and then maybe some things here and there, some video clips, some other stuff. So again, yeah, find team Blaney on Instagram and, and you can go back there. If you don't already know or know about it, go back and see some of the stuff we posted that Steve provided over the weekend. So that was our pretty much our, our race recap for Ryan Blaney's run in the Jockey Made in America 250. Wasn't the best day for that number 12 team. Came out with a 20th place finish up there at Road America. But hey, why don't we take things in a different direction here and go through our weekly trip through the history of NASCAR. This week in NASCAR history. 
First up for this week in NASCAR history, we're going to go to July 6th, 1969. Richard Petty finishes six laps ahead of the field to win the Mason-Dixon 300 at the new Dover Downs International Speedway. Part-time driver Sonny Hutchins finished second. Up next, July 11th, 1971, Charlie Glotzbach, with relief from Freddie Hassler, scores a big win in the Volunteer 500 at Bristol. The 500 lapper was uninterrupted by a caution flag, the first non-stop NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National race at the one-half-mile track. It is Chevrolet's first NASCAR win since 1967. Wow, three flags, the green, the white, and the checkered. And that in that place, that's amazing. Gosh, and I think I, I can't even remember... I think Bobby Hamilton won a race at Talladega that went that way, and I think maybe in my time as a fan, yeah, I haven't really seen that too often. Moving on to July 11th, 1981, Daryl Waltrip dominates the Bush Nashville 420 at the Fairgrounds Raceway. Mark Martin starts on the pole in his third NASCAR Winston Cup Grand National start and finishes 11th. Moving on to July 6th. 1991, Bill Elliott posts a resounding triumph in the Pepsi 400 at Daytona. Elliott leads a 1-2-3 sweep for Fords. Daryl Waltrip survives a wicked side-over-side tumble down the backstretch on the 120th lap. And then finally, July 11th, 1993, Rusty Wallace chases down Davey Allison in the final laps to win the first NASCAR Winston Cup race staged at the New Hampshire International Speedway. The following day, Allison is gravely injured in a helicopter crash on the grounds of Talladega Super Speedway. Allison passes away the following morning. That's it for this week in NASCAR history. Be sure to tune in to the next episode of the podcast, and we'll take you on another trip through the history of NASCAR. All right, Steve, before we jump into our preview of this weekend's Cup Series race at Atlanta Motor Speedway, we do have some dirt track Blaney news to get people up to date on. One, I kind of got tipped off on this a little bit because Dale Blaney, after his win at Sharon Speedway, was a guest on the Wing Nation show, the Wing Nation podcast, and was talking a little bit about his victory at Sharon after, you know, being off for more than a year from sprint cars. During that, he kind of gave away a little bit of tidbit saying that he was going to be help, helping his brother Dave out at the King's Royal. So the news there is that Dave Blaney is going to be running the King's Royal this year which, if you're not familiar, it's a huge race at Eldora Speedway in Ohio, and it goes on for four nights, uh, July 14th, 15th, 16th, and 17th. This is a major race that Dave has won in the past, um, and Dale was talking a little bit about if the track kind of works in, there's a certain groove that Dave's kind of famous for running there and would be really, really tough to beat. So a couple of cool things happening there. That's coming up. Again, starting on the 14th, but this weekend, uh, immediately, July 10th, is the Lou Blaney Memorial, and Dave's going to be competing in that race as well. Dave has a win uh, with the World of Outlaws earlier this year at Sharon Speedway. Lots of uh, momentum going into this race, and something that uh, I think a lot of Blaney fans should be looking forward to. So again, if you are following along with the Dirt uh, Drivers this year, Dale Blaney just won that race at Sharon Speedway. Dave is going to be racing in the Lou Blaney Memorial. We know that for sure. And then he's also going to be following that up by a run in the King's Royal. Dale, it seems like it was up in the air that maybe he would run the Lou Blaney, but it seems like he's probably not going to run that race. But, hey, maybe he'll surprise us. Um, but if not, maybe we'll see him next year. Uh, Saturday night, um, you know, up at Chan Speedway, uh, the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation is doing an auction, a live auction. If you go to their Facebook 
or Twitter or Instagram, they have posted a list of some of the items that are already up for auction. Um, there's some great autographed material by Ryan, by Dave. Um, if if anything, you know, check that out. Check out see if uh, see what you can bid on. You know, I know what? that uh, Adam uh, won something a couple of years ago. Yeah, why don't we just go through that list while we have the time? And yes, I do. I, I have a a very large um, life size Bubba Wallace stand up that hovers over my studio desk here um, that that we we packed up and brought all the way back from Ohio back down here to Florida. So there is some really cool stuff in this live auction that's happening Saturday for the Lou Blaney Memorial. You can get uh, you can bid on a Ryan Blaney side NASCAR windshield. Here's an interesting thing, and I, I really kind of want to know which fire suit this was, be, but it's a Dave Blaney signed Bush Series fire suit. Um, if it was a Haas, Haas avocado suit from that victory, which it probably isn't, um, I would go nuts. Uh, <laughs> there's a William Byron signed replica helmet, a Chase Elliott signed die cast, and a Funko Pop, uh, a Coral Yeti cooler, uh, Donnie Shot signed sideboard, uh, cornhole boards. Uh, children's bike, uh, a necklace and earrings package from Tom Duma Jewelers, which is a jewelry store out in Warren, Ohio, I believe. Uh, two season pit passes to Sharon Speedway. You can also bid on collectibles from the Eastern Museum of Motor Racing. And then another uh, Blaney fan must-have, or one of those Holy Grail-type items, is Lou Blaney's 2001 Mercer Raceway Championship jacket. So if you want to head out to the Sharon Speedway this weekend for the Lou Blaney Memorial, gates open at 4 p.m. This live auction starts at 5 p.m. So um, really cool event. I was at the inaugural one. I was at the 10th anniversary one a couple of years ago. Um, really, really special night for the family. Dale's won the race in the past. Dave's won a couple of them. And um, like I said, that momentum going into this weekend, we can see if Dave might be able to back up that victory last year and back up his World of Outlaws win earlier this year, this time with the All-Star Circuit of Champions. And Steve was just letting me know, I just didn't even realize it, it's two nights of sprint car racing at Sharon Speedway this weekend because on the 11th, the next day, um, there's that Justin Snyder race that's putting up another uh, pretty big paycheck for the winner and uh, two nights in a row of all-star racing at Sharon. So I think uh, everyone should go out there and check it out. Ryan Blaney, Weekend Preview, Atlanta Motor Speedway. All right, so now it's that time where we preview Ryan Blaney's upcoming race this weekend at the Atlanta Motor Speedway for the Quaker State 400 July 11th. 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can watch the race on NBCSN, and then you can catch it on PRN this week in Sirius XM NASCAR Radio. Ryan Blaney won most recently at Atlanta Motor Speedway earlier this year when he tracked down Kyle Larson. was probably one of the last people to track down and pass Kyle Larson for victory without Kyle actually blowing a tire and hitting the wall. So... A um, little bit of a feather in the cap for that 12 team being uh, uh, one of those people. So if you want to tune into that race, again, this Sunday, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time, the stages are going to fall at lap 80, lap 160. Checkered flag falls at lap 260, just over 400 miles. And you just came off a weekend where you headed out to the racetrack up there at Road America. This is the race, that one of the races we have on our schedule to head to this year so early saturday morning we're making the trip um it's a little over five hours from doorstep to racetrack uh, we're going to check out the xfinity series race on saturday 
Follow that up with the Cup Series race on Sunday, our first trip to Atlanta Motor Speedway. And it turns out it's going to be the last trip under this configuration of the racetrack because just today, uh, the day that we are uh, recording this podcast, Atlanta announced that they are going to repave the track, which is something that seemed like it was going to be coming. But they've also announced that they're going to narrow the racetrack in the turns, especially in a little bit on the, the front straightaway. And also go from 24 to 28 degrees of banking in the turns as well. So all of that happening, I know creating some buzz around this race specifically being the last race where it's going to be out there on that uh, old asphalt that, you know, really kind of chews up tires and, and kind of makes it a little bit of a strategy race especially that race Ryan won earlier this year at Atlanta. He really knew how to keep uh, keep his tires clean and keep his tires ready to go for that long run at the end uh, that eventually won him that race because that was a huge difference. So, Steve, any quick thoughts? Do you, you know, does them changing Atlanta even a little bit? I mean, I know I think 97 they came back and totally reconfigured the track and added a tri-oval to it. It used to be a traditional oval, um, and I know that – caused some consternation back then, but then people have kind of come back around. It's got two race dates again this year, and then it seems like because of that, they're investing in this racetrack going forward and trying to create some more action, uh, even though that last race I think was great for for us. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, I mean, uh, they were due to do a repave 10 years ago, you know, <laughs> so they held on, held on, held on, and, and the drivers really liked the track the way it was. They obviously – thought it was racy and they were able to do certain things and drive a high line and a low line and, and so on and so forth. Um, but the longer track goes like that and the more you end up having to use PJ one to make it more competitive. Um, yeah. To do a change like this is uh, pretty interesting. Uh, you know, they're going to have probably start tearing it down as soon as it's over on, uh, on Sunday. And uh, it'll be kind of cool to see what happens once again, though, then there'll be a new car next year too. So how's that car going to act and react to that uh, new surface? You know? So, so many unknowns, but yeah, the first, some of the first comments I saw on social media after the announcement was, please God, don't immediately just start throwing PJ one down on the track on a brand new fresh surface. So, um, yeah, lots of unknowns, brand new car next year. It's going to be a brand new surface, new configuration in the turns, some more banking. Um, they made some suggestions about, you know, maybe this will make it turn it a little bit more pack racing, closer together racing like Daytona or Talladega. I think they maybe should have held off on making those comparisons before cars even get out on the track. Maybe their goal is to at least get cars a little bit closer together because it can get strung out a little bit at Atlanta, um, but they've still had some pretty decent racing. Um, speaking of decent racing, Ryan Blaney has a pretty decent track record at Atlanta. A little bit of a slow start. He's only had six starts at this track. Um, His first finish was 25th, then he finished 18th, then he finished 12th, and then he had three straight races where he started leading laps. So the first, uh, the the lone race of 2019, he finished 22nd, but he led 41 laps of that race. The lone race of 2020, finished 4th, led two laps. This race earlier this year, Atlanta, the first race of the year there, wins the race, leads 25 laps trending in a great direction um and we'll have to see if they can bring that i know that the temperatures it's going to be hot uh everyone knew it was going to be hot going into this weekend not really sure where the weather is going to be at at this point um this early in the week so temperature is going to be different the weather is going to be different maybe they can't bring the exact same setup but who knows Uh, i think they at least maybe have a good starting point and if he can still 
figure out a way to manage the tires like he did that last race, have the strategy in play, he could be another player to win and sweep the year at Atlanta Motor Speedway. Yeah, according to Bob Pockross's unofficial uh, starting position, they got him starting 15th, uh, which is close enough to the front that, to be in the top 10 by the end of the first stage and then you know, go forward from there and do the damage he wants to do from there. Um, I think it'll be uh, you know interesting to see because um, there are some rumors that uh, we've been passing around about uh, some of the Hendrick cars and some of the things that have been allegedly going on with the Hendrick cars, and they were kind of told not to do them anymore from what you're saying, not to say that they will or won't do it anymore, but this will be the first mile and a half they've been to since they were rumored to be doing some of these things. So Yeah, yeah. to be clear, total rumors, and if you listen to anything NASCAR radio-wise or anything on Twitter, um, there's all these rumors, and it, it wasn't that they were cheating or anything, also to be clear on that, but they said, oh, there's these rumors that NASCAR went to them, and they, they said they can't do this certain thing that they were doing to the noses of the car. Again, I have zero inside sources on anything. Uh, my only sources are other people talking about hearing it. So, um, But this would be, like you said, the first time they get to a mile and a half. And we'll see. If, if everyone seems to be a little bit more level, then maybe maybe there was something. If the Hendrick cars go out there and uh, sweep the top five again, then uh, maybe there's, there's – well, top four. Uh, <laughs> if they sweep the top five, that would be a record. Um, so <laughs> – I, yeah, I, I just don't, I just don't know what to expect this weekend. I'm just hoping that this will be another bounce back weekend for this 12 team. Um, Ryan's average finish at the tracks hovers around 13th place. Again, has that victory, has led laps in the last three straight races, starts 15th. Um, let's just see. Let's just see where things go. And I'm hoping for you know my sake. I love going to the races, no matter what. Going to a race is much better when Ryan performs. Yeah, you know, the, like I said, by the end of this first stage, they'll be in the top 10, and they'll just move move forward from there. The Penske Fords are really good on the mile and a half this year, even though we've seen, uh, you know, all the Hendrick domination lately. Um, usually the only other cars that are in there mixed in with them are, are, the, are the Penske Fords. So, you know, all he's got to do is get his nose up in there, and then who knows what he can do from there. That's a good thing to point out this year because, I mean, Joe Gibbs, uh, obviously Kyle Busch has won a couple of races uh, Martin Truex went on a on a run there where he won three, and then he's kind of disappeared since then. But it's pretty much been the Hendrick cars and then the Penske cars kind of filling out the rest of the top ten. That happened both days at Pocono. Um, both both sets of races there, the three Penske cars finished in the top ten, along with basically a mixture of Hendrick cars and a couple other Chevrolets. So um, I wouldn't be surprised if we have that same uh same results this weekend. I'm hoping it's shuffled a little bit more toward the in Penske's favor. Let's take a look back at the last several races here at Atlanta Motor Speedway to give you just some of the names uh, of guys that have won the races. Um, going back to 2015 and 2016, Jimmy Johnson won back-to-back. But then going now into drivers that are, that are still on the circuit, 2017, Brad Keselowski won. 2018, Kevin Harvick won. 2019, Brad Keselowski won. 2020, Kevin Harvick won. And then obviously earlier this year, 2021, that first race, the spring race in Atlanta, Ryan Blaney went to victory lane. So you're seeing Harvick, Kozlowski, Harvick, Kozlowski. Blue oval, blue oval, blue oval. Yeah, so Ford, Ford, yeah, like you're saying, stretch of Fords winning here, dating all the way back to 2016, the last time when Jimmy Johnson won a race. So Fords have performed well at this track. Let's see if they can perform well again this weekend. And I'm hoping that... Um, we'll see another step forward for that 12 team 
and Ryan Blaney and uh, crew chief Todd Gordon, who has um, has put them in some pretty decent positions this year on strategy. So again, if you want to tune in this weekend to the Quaker State 400, Sunday, July 11th at Atlanta Motor Speedway, 3.30 p.m. Eastern Time. You can watch it on NBCSN. You can listen to it on PRN and SiriusXM NASCAR Radio. Steve, I'm happy to say that I am back in the running in the Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League. I had a really, really good weekend at Road America when it comes to fantasy points. I didn't necessarily do anything amazing i did have some picks in here that kind of worked out it's kind of some of those gut feelings or seeing seeing some trends of some guys that have been performing a little bit well i didn't like totally go uh, i mean i had chase elliott in the lineup that's just gonna boost anything but why don't we um take a look at uh the team blaney nascar fantasy live league when it comes to most points earned over the weekend at road america in first, we have Team Penske, 213 points. In second, we have Stellinarius with 212 points. And then in third, we have myself, Team Blaney Admin, with 210 points. So I was just, you know, three points away uh, from taking the top spot this weekend. In fourth, we had Doug K0525, who just consistently is excellent. Uh, I don't know if this is computer behind the, the, the name here that's that's picking this stuff, but if not, I hope they play DraftKings or something because uh, he knows what's going on. And then uh, tied for f- fifth, uh, this is a new name up here, Pea Shoot Bill uh, with 191 points. And then in fifth, we uh, the second person in fifth, Blaring Idiots, also with 191 points. How did things work out for you this weekend, Steve? Um, I had a lineup, and that was about it. Uh, um, you know, I, I try to do my lineup based on what happens Saturday's practice um, because between qualifying and the race itself, the internet was okay there, but not great. And I went to try and mess with it and I couldn't get on there and, and do anything with it uh, after qualifying. So I kind of got stuck with what I had. Um, I did have Christopher Bell. Um, so that was nice. And that was about it for my points. Um I kind of thought some people were going to pull something off this weekend that just didn't. And, um, yeah, not so good. I tell you what, I can't, you know, Christopher Bell was one of those guys I had in my lineup and actually took him out at the last second. Um, but for me, I, I, you know, it was third in points earned, so I can't complain too much. I started Tyler Reddick, who won the pole at Coda, did really well again in qualifying, managed to spin out at the end of his qualifying lap, still qualified fourth for this race. That's kind of when I knew he was fast. Uh, Chase Elliott, obviously he was the winner. I started him, started Kyle Busch, who won the Xfinity race the day before, also has been pretty stellar on the road courses this year. Matt Benedetto, who uh, was running pretty well in practice and also qualifying, he finished 10th. I picked Kurt Busch. Those Ganassi cars had found something uh, on road courses again this year. They've also been kind of on an upswing the last several races. Kurt did well in qualifying as well. And I had Joey Logano in the garage. He's another guy that usually shows up doesn't necessarily win all the time on road courses, but gets pretty solid finishes. I thought he was a decent pick, and I still had several starts left for him. Uh, my bonus picks. This is actually kind of where I didn't hit it that well, because I went with Kyle Larson as the race winner, uh, just to try to hedge my bets a little bit. He uh, did, did not work out well. Uh, William Byron I had as a top Chevrolet. That didn't work out well. Seemed like it was going to do... Uh, work out. He did win the the first stage. I had Joey Logano as the top Ford. That didn't turn out. I had Kyle Busch as the top Toyota. Almost had that. Uh, but then that tried and true method here of 
picking Chevrolet as the manufacturer and Hendrick Motorsports as the top team uh, for I don't know how many weeks in a row it is at this point. I've done that and gained uh, those uh, extra bonus picks, which those are the important ones when it comes down to bonus picks because those are worth 10 points each. So that's kind of what really put me over the top this weekend. So why don't we take a look at the overall Team Blaney NASCAR Fantasy Live League standings in first still. With 3,956 points, we have Clyde's Chicken Pit Racing. In second, we have the aforementioned Doug K0525. In third, we have Moon Cup. In fourth, we have Blaney Kicks Beep. In fifth, we have Mez12 with 3,830 points. In sixth, we have Rogue Tough with 3,779 points. In seventh, we have Vance12. In eighth, we have Glitterbugs. In ninth, we have Go Larson. And in tenth, Rounding out the top 10, we have Spider Monkey with 3,708 points. And scrolling down a little bit, I'm still hovering around the mid-20s here. In 24th position, my team, Team Blaney Admin, 3,466 points in 24th position. So, pretty decent weekend for me overall fantasy-wise. I just went over the last several guys that have gone to victory lane in Atlanta. Brad K, Harvick, Brad K, Harvick, Ryan Blaney. All blue ovals, as you pointed out. Uh, is there anyone that you think is a lock this week for you when it comes to the fantasy racing team? Um, yeah, we're going to have to look at see who I have available with Hendrick. <laughs> how many how many spots I have available? See, this is where it's coming down. Adam yeah. has you know practiced load management for the entire year, and now I'm like, oh man, I have way too many starts for some of these guys left over. Now you're the one that got tons of points early in the year, starting all the big dogs, and now you're. Pickens yeah, are a little thin now, huh? Scrambling a little bit. I still have a couple Larsons left I can use. I still have a Chase Elliott I can use. Um, and Bowman, I've got three or four starts for Bowman still left too. So, yeah, I've got – I can go Hendrick, Hendrick, Hendrick a little bit. Um, Byron actually ran out of, which I'm surprised I used him that much already this year. Um, I've still got two Ryan starts left too, so this might be one of them. Uh, Brad, I've got a couple Brads left. Um yeah, this could be a good weekend for for a lot of those guys. Um, Man, I don't know that I can I can put Brad in the lineup. Uh, that that two team has been down, down, down. But maybe, maybe he's got two wins there in the last couple of years. So, I mean, you got to look at Kyle Busch because the Toyotas, you know, are getting better, and he's definitely getting better. You know, and he's confident. Something mm-hmm. you haven't seen, and it's kind of scary when he is. It, it helps that he's he won that Xfinity race. It helps that he's won two races. He's not still waiting to win. Uh, but a confident Kyle Busch is a scary Kyle Busch. Yeah. So, you know, um, when they announce the official uh, starting lineup uh, on Wednesday, I think they do that now. I'll, I'll relook at it at that point, too, just to see who's starting where. Because um, DiBedetto is probably going to start up a little closer to the front than he normally does. Um, and that will definitely help him. Um, so uh, maybe a guy like him would be a good good extra guy to put in there. All right, everyone, well, we're looking for another great weekend at Atlanta Motor Speedway. I'm hoping to enjoy myself at Atlanta Motor Speedway for the first time, and I'll report back to you just like Steve did from his experience this past weekend. But I want to thank you, everyone, for tuning in to this episode of the Team Blaney Podcast. If you'd like to learn more about myself or co-host Steve, please listen to the very first episode that really dives deep in how we both became fans of the Blaney Racing family. 
If you'd like to interact with us, you can find Team Blaney on Twitter at Team Blaney and on Facebook at facebook.com slash Team Blaney. And again, we have an Instagram now. I'll be posting pictures probably all weekend long from Atlanta, from the Xfinity race to the Cup race to anything else interesting I see throughout the weekend. Don't forget to also download, rate, and subscribe to this, the Team Blaney podcast, on the Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Spotify, all of your favorite podcasting apps. And then, once again, to close out the show, I want to remind you to check out the Ryan Blaney Family Foundation. This organization, established in 2018, supports causes that have closely impacted the Blaney family, including the Alzheimer's Association and UPMC Sports Medicine. You can find out more about the foundation on its website, ryanblaneyfamilyfoundation.org, or on Twitter, at rbfamfoundation. Finally, on Facebook, at facebook.com slash rbfamilyfoundation. And you can find them on Instagram as well. For my co-host Steve Mez, I'm Adam Rogers. We'll catch you next time here on the T-Blaney Podcast.